Ready, Dave? Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. It's Dave Fox. I'm Jordan Cooper. This is our show. And in this episode, we're going to be talking... And in this corner... In this episode, we're going to present to you part two of our interview with Mr. Joshua Freed. Yeah, this is this is a, this might be my favorite part. We really go into all the songs on the Hello the Band EP, but we realize we should tell you what that is because a lot of people might know it's pretty obscure. Lay it on me, Daddy-o. So John Flansburg had a CD of the Month Club called the Hello CD of the Month Club, and he would send you... You, Me? you, Dave. He didn't. He would. He would send you. He sent you. Uh, EP every month from various bands. Uh, some of the more notable people doing this: Frank Black, Andy Partridge from XTC, Minus Five, who is a Young Fresh Fellows guy, and uh, Peter Buck from REM. So yeah, there's some really interesting stuff. And then there's some bands that people might not be too familiar with that did it. One of the EPs from 93 is John Flansburg and Joshua Freed doing five songs together. And I yes. freaking love these songs. I mean, these are very good songs. Yeah, this isn't throwaway no. at all to me, uh, even though it is obscure. And the only way to get it would be to be on this subscription service. Some of these aren't even like on YouTube. I was trying to like find yeah, yeah. This, this group of five songs is like a really special set, a really good collaboration. They're all completely different. Yeah. And one of them you might know because it ended up on a Monopuff album. Right. And one of them you might know because it got reworked and ended up on a They Might Be Giants album, a sort of an album. <laughs> right. And yeah, they're just really great. And he, uh, Joshua told us a lot of interesting things about the making of these songs. Something I'm really interested in is like who did what, like him or Flansburg mm -hmm. and on each song. I'm sort of obsessed with that kind of idea. Like who provides, who brings what to the table, you yeah. know, like, like, like this podcast. Yeah. Like I bring the, I bring the funk and Dave brings the, the good looks. Exactly. So <laughs> then after we talk Thanks about hello, the band, we, we go into his current work, which is radio wonderland. Yes. And it's, it's very interesting how it comes together. Very unique. I highly recommend checking out some YouTube videos of him, um, displaying how he does it. I might link yeah. to some on our Twitter. Uh, <laughs> did I say that funny, Dave? Uh, I think I, that's how everyone should say it, you know, Twitter, Twitter and tither. <laughs> I laugh at funny sounds. It's true. It's very easy to make Dave laugh um, <laughs> and easy to make him cry. <laughs> there you go. You just say the word cry. And he, okay. So anyway, <laughs> so then, yeah, so that's part two of the interview and I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoyed part one. I, I hope, hope you guys enjoyed interviews. I hope you enjoy life. I, <laughs> I hope you. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, continue your thought then. No, I just think it's it's a little bit of a departure from our usual formula and a little bit out of our uh, comfort zone. Joshua made us feel comfortable. I'll say that. Yeah. You know when what? We showed up right now, right here. Let's have it out. Let's just let's just say how hospitable and accommodating he, Joshua Freed was. I said on the last episode, but I think it bears repeating that he was very generous, um, very smart, very interesting to talk to. Too smart. I, th um, I thought so, too. <laughs> um, I think that about a lot of people. 
yeah, he 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 made us feel comfortable. He was very funny, very fun to talk to. And even when we stopped the interview, the stuff we were talking about off mic was really interesting too. Yeah, yeah. He told get us get out the microphones again. Told us all about John Linnell's uh, darkest secret. Mm. Which well, maybe yeah. maybe one day you guys will Episode find that 100. out. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoy part two. And here we go. So I wanted to move on to the Hello, the Band. EP, oh, sure. Because that's actually one of my like favorite EPs or favorite things. Like I've, I really love the songs on that. And I've listened oh, to that. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, I can tell you the first time I heard it, uh, which is just fans would like mail each other cassette bootlegs of the rare stuff. How dare you? And, <laughs> and a fan that I knew, that uh, Sarah, she sent me tons of stuff over the for a few years. And one of, she sent me the bootleg that was just like rare TMBG. Mm-hmm. And on it was like, hello, the band EP. And I had no context at all. For, I didn't know what it was. Like, all I knew is I recognized Flansburg's voice. So I was like, right. this is him. But you didn't recognize my voice. <laughs> no, I, didn't know, I didn't know what anything was. But for a while, I would just, like I said, like walk around with a Walkman and listen to all, the, all these things. Things. And then a couple years later, I actually ordered all the Hello stuff, but they didn't have 1993. They didn't have that. So I still don't own that oh. CD because it's like hard to find. I have 94, 95, mm-hmm. 96, but not the, yeah. But uh, so I wanted to talk about that, like the how that came about and all the different tracks on that. It was Flansburg's idea. Yeah. Uh, he said, let's do this. And uh, the one called Sodium Mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, town to town, lullaby to nightmares. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. And since you joined the corporation, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, we can go in order. I mean, Sodium Mask is track one. Right, that is a variation on what I call the MIDI Hell theme song. Okay. <laughs> and what that is, is what happens in a MIDI studio when the, when the synths and the samplers and drum machines are not making any sound. Uh-huh. <laughs> so then you set all the synths to respond on all channels because you're trying to get anything to work. So everything's <laughs> like uh, omni, omni, all channels. And it's not working. And then you, maybe you never find out what was wrong. But all of a sudden, yeah. everything works. But then you have all your synths playing all the parts. <laughs> so the drum part is now being played sure. by the string sound and by the guitar sound and mm-hmm. by the horn sound. Yeah. So they're all going da 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 because they're playing the hi-hat part, which is yeah. the most dense part on the whole record, even <laughs> though it's supposed to be the quietest. So you get this racket that's organized, and it's the same tempo as your song, mm-hmm. but everything's wrong. So that's the MIDI Hell theme song, and the Sodium Mask is based on that. It's based on it, or is that how it... That's like, how it started. It's, okay. it's since you joined the corporation in MIDI Hell theme song version, and then further modified, I think, mostly by mm. Flans. Oh, okay, wait, wait. So let's back up a second. So Sodium <laughs> Mask is... 
was originally since you joined the corporation. Right. Like, like what uh. would you say, like a demo of, version of it or something? It was like the sequence the that sequence was working, the, the MIDI sequence in Digital oh, Performer, wow. which is the, the, the digital audio oh, workstation wow. program we were using. Okay. It's the same tempo, right? I, I never noticed. I mean, you know, just as someone listening just for fun. It's like, <laughs> don't um, put the pieces together that... And Sodium Mask is a vague reference to the lyrics of Since You Joined the Corporation, I think. One, one thing I really want to find out in talking about Hello the Band is like who did what, because that's what's super interesting to me. Sure. Um, well, there's this guy named Rolf, you know, who a lot of people think <laughs> yeah. is, is Flancy. He's a really talented guy. Is he like an intern? Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's very They Might Be Giants-like. Like, it's not a far step from what well, they sure, normally it's... do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, except you don't have Flansberg and Falsetto on any other song, <laughs> or do you? Uh, no, you have Linnell and Falsetto on She Was a Hotel Detective, the sequel song. But it's Linnell's voice sped up to a falsetto. <laughs> no, then that's not a falsetto. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah. What's funny is the the vinyl sound in the intro. Mm -hmm. I used to think that was because I got a crappy copy of on the cassette. Like, <laughs> I used to think it was someone's. And for years, I tried to find a higher quality version. <laughs> of the song. And I only got you. Not only a few years ago, I, I someone sent me like super high quality wave files of the Hello the Band EP. And I was like, oh, it's a sample. <laughs> yeah, you can hear the, the since you joined the corporation. I never noticed. That makes since you joined the corporation even more like sneaky and scary of a song. Yeah. It's a very paranoid song. Right. So to sneak it into the first track at, <laughs> on a subliminal level is actually pretty interesting. <laughs> I like that. mostly Flansburg. Okay. Based on Since You Joined the Corporation, which was, Since You Joined the Corporation was mostly my music. See, that's, that's totally the opposite of what I expected. But this whole very, record was It sounds like a, like a rock group, you know. The way this record worked is that Flansburg would come up with weird audio things that were sort of like him doing Joshua. Mm -hmm. And we used some musical input from me that was not typical of what you would thought yeah, of. So it was like yeah. this weird role reversal. And I had written a song actually for a watch face piece. Since You Joined the Corporation is kind of based on that song musically. I sort of ripped off my own chords. And then he came up with a chorus. The, okay. the, those four guitar chords. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we like we had it, and then we said we need it needs like a chorus beyond what you've written. Mm -hmm. And then after like we took a break for a couple of days, and I came over to his house and said, "I have the chorus. It's these four chords." So I was like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> And 
and then we worked on the arrangement together and that organ part, we had this yeah. idea, we worked really hard on that organ part and we had this idea that we want an organ which will be like this really old guy working for Motown who's half asleep, kind of drugged <laughs> out, just session so musician. in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. And that Frank Black album that he did with session musicians. And then I labored over it. I, I spent, I did like the, the long work, like mm. coming up with that arrangement. Since you joined the corporation. Right, so those are all my chords, and now okay. this is that's Flansburg came Flansburg's up with that hook. Nice, and it, I assume it's all his lyrics. Right? Yeah, yeah, because it's very like his kind of motifs that he does a lot. The yeah, paranoia, right. you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But we talked about it. Mm. The lyrics weren't done in a vacuum. Oh, okay. That's oh, right. and and the bass player is credited on it's Eric Sanko, I think, played the bass. Yeah, that's right. It said that on the. Uh, and that really made a difference. Oh, but the sure. organ was, it, well, not only was it not live, not only was it MIDI, but it was slaved over to make it sound natural. <laughs> That's so funny. To make it sound like... Yeah, yeah. Relax. We couldn't get the final... Oh, oh, to get out of the break. That part. Yeah. <laughs> we knew it had to go, -na 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 -na, uh -huh. but it was just the the three beats before the, -na 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 -na. we were like, oh, what's it going to be? And we try these different soulful hmm. things like, no, no, no. So finally it's like, let's just do the thing where he bangs on the keyboard and, huh. and random. Yeah. Yeah. I really struggle to make any music that sounds like relaxed and like someone <laughs> grooving along because all my stuff sounds very tense and, and oh well maybe that's and appropriate. stressed out <laughs> so it's hard for me well the bass for that song because that song has a lot of holes in it for the bass to fill up you know what i mean uh -huh. like it's not all full guitars the whole time and right it's, it's, i like the what i like about the song is the the way that instruments kind of come in and out and talk to each other oh you good know? the bass line actually also came mostly from me i did oh, a really? i did a uh, a radio spot for pepsi <laughs> and it has pretty much that bass line. Oh my god. Can you talk any more about that? That was the bass line I used for this Pepsi thing. Uh-huh. So the corporation refers to the songwriting credit on a lot of early Jackson 5 songs. Oh. Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> they are written by quote the corporation. Really? Well, and I don't know the story behind that. But both Flansburg and I remarked upon that and we said wow. like Let's take this musical material that I had mm -hmm. and let's turn it into just like a Motowny hmm. kind of thing. And then it's like something about the corporation. So we thought about those lyrics. We came up with that concept. Oh, wow. Together. Oh, it's so interesting. My theory was that it was about uh, them getting signed to Elektra <laughs> and people being like, oh, now you're a big time thing. That was like my vague theory. <laughs> it, it didn't come up, but uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's not valid. No, that's so. It's, that's so. It's actually on on those old albums. It's credits to the corporation. So them. does yeah. that inform the that's falsetto crazy. singing, more like Jackson Five? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I was really proud of that organ. Yeah, that old thing. I, I love the organ in it. It's a great song. I mean, it's weird. I I was thinking about this on the way here. It's like there are these great songs that are kind of. You know, for lack of a better term, they're like buried on these rare yeah. things. And it's like 
that's a better song than most songs I'll hear on the radio on a given oh, day. Well, thank you. I mean, like modern. I guess I think a lot about like the like quality things sometimes go unheard and things that I don't think are quality get heard <laughs> that's by right. everybody. And it's I don't know, kind of drives me crazy sometimes. <laughs> so then next is Town, town to Town. There's somebody who sold something on late night TV named Tom Vu, I think. Yeah, I wrote this this down. I, I was I don't know who that is though. Is if you can tell us anything. Flansburg wrote the song and assumed that I knew who Tom Vu was, <laughs> but I didn't. Tom Vu, the man, the life, the mission, dedicated to help people make their fortune, is the mission of the Tom Vu Wealth and Success Institute. People say that I'm a genius. But I'm not smarter than anybody. I'm only a lucky boy who found a genius money-making system. I invite you to come to my seminar, learn how to make a lot of money. A lot of your friends will tell you, don't come to the seminar, it's a get-rich-quick plan. But tell them, it is a get-rich-quick plan, because life is too short to get rich slow. I never forget what my grandfather told me. There are two kinds of people in life, the doer and the loser. Which one are you? Man, you sent this to me ages and ages ago. Yeah, yeah. There's another song I. This is a great. I really to me, this is this like one. the single. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard this in so long. So is he, is he being ironic there? Because it's this guy on TV selling. <laughs> <laughs> or is it a sincere statement about? Oh, he's being he's, he's <laughs> being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who knows? So I did that synth bass part. And I'm pretty sure it's my synth that's doing the... That, yeah. Yeah. But the rest of it is his songwriting. Oh, really? I love when he sings in that voice. <laughs> that like kind of a deeper voice. I might be on that. Oh really? Vocal, yeah. And the drums are mostly me. And that uh, the okay. idea of that using that it's sort of there's a genre called drum and bass, aka jungle. Sure. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of that. And guitar solo. Yeah, I love this this part. And I mentioned on the podcast, Flansburg does a lot of descending guitar solo. It fits onto that. Oh, cool. And there's a sample. There's some drum and bass type sample here. That's a that's some sort of like drum and bass sample thing that I got from a sample library. Okay. I Now, I thought that that sounded like a cool, like, sam like uh, uh, electronic sample or synthesizer part. 
But someone, maybe Flansburg, said, oh, no, I could tell that was your voice. Because <laughs> that's huh. me going, ding, 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 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Does it sound like a voice? It sounds like a, a it sounds like the kind of... Uh, I didn't see it as a I didn't hear it as either a Either or kind of yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, to my ears, it didn't register. For me, it's that perfect in-between thing hmm. where you're not quite sure, which I Good. like. And he wrote the whole three four thing, and that's I think it's Robin Goldwasser who sings. Yeah, I hey, wanted Mr. to talk Fu, about that because that's I, I think that's the earliest appearance of her oh, on any of their ah, stuff. Yeah, she, sure. I, she I, didn't I, start showing up on things. Well, she's on the Laura Cantrell EP mm-hmm. for Hello, but that was like a year or two later. Right. And then she's on They Might Be Giant stuff like more in the two thousands. But it's just fascinating to me because it's like, I guess it's like, I mean, it's kind of sweet. It's like the romantic timeline of them. I always like, mm. they, like when did they meet? How did they know each other? And because she's so involved in a lot of their stuff. So that, that I'm pretty sure that's the earliest thing of her. Oh, I'm curious. And it's like, were they, did they know each other well yet at that point? No, like, I introduced I them. I said, we had this oh great scene. No, I'm kidding. No. I'm totally, uh, I'm totally <laughs> joking. We no, they were. podcast dynamite. Yeah. They were together. They, yeah. they were already Ninety three, yeah, because she starts showing up like so like later. Is um, there any connection? Because then the lyrics reference a Tom Waits song. So is it is just, that true? What is it? Um, hey, little bird, fly away home. Your house is on fire and children are alone. So he changes that to Hey, Mister Vu, fly away home. Your house is so lovely. Hey, your children Vu. so nice. Oh, he makes it like this nice away. compliment <laughs> instead of a terrifying. So the Tom Waits reference, was that you, were you not aware? Of? Not aware <laughs> until this moment. <laughs> well, so, I mean, he has a song, yeah, like I said, it's like a very scary line. <laughs> Is the phrasing similar to the Tom oh, Waits? Is the melody? It's, uh, no, no, the melody's not the same, but it's just the lyrical, it's, so it's, so instead of, hey, little bird, fly away home, she sings, hey, Mr. Vu, fly away home. Mm-hmm. Then he says, mm. your house is on fire, your children are alone. And she says, your house is so lovely, your children so nice. Mm-hmm. So it is like a one-to-one reference. Uh, I'm pretty positive on that. Yeah, and it is weird yeah. that it's about Tom Vu and then it's a Tom, Tom Waits, Waits reference. Like, I don't really... Uh, I mean... That makes sense. Like, I'm grasping at it, but I don't really understand <laughs> I'm, I'm, it. I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. I'll totally buy I it. I say that a lot to Jordan. I'll buy it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I always loved Town to Town. I always thought that was, like, really catchy as hell song really like really interesting the different changes in it you know oh good that might have been the one we spent the least amount of time really, really? yeah i came up with the bass line pretty spontaneously in his studio mm. like let's get a nice razzy synth bass mm-hmm. with distortion on it and yeah then i was just like wow okay So we can move on to <laughs> Lullaby to Nightmares, which I'll just say is like a personal favorite song of mine. Have you ever seen a bloody egg glass in hand lying up in bed 
Now's the time to sing this cowardly lullaby And you ought to know why Oh, I'm so glad. And I do mean like your version because then they redid yeah. it later. As a kind of Latino thing, right? Yeah, they recorded it for John Henry but left it off John Henry and then released it a few years later in around like, what was it? Like 1999. <laughs> on their album Long Tall Weekend, which was made of like scraps of rejected things, hmm. which is also a great, it's kind of like Miscellaneous Tea actually. It's like a bunch of things left off albums, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I really love that version of Lullaby Tonight. Yeah, I, I always the, thought the, the version, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I, just, I, I was gonna point to the vocal performance particularly. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about all about singing um, that. <laughs> um, it's really haunting. Oh, cool. Well, let me tell you the story of the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. So I did a, a piece called Travelogue, mm -hmm. um, which had a poem that was uh, only heard over headphones by the performer who tried to whose ta task was to to replicate that poem, even though they never heard it before. Okay. So each performer who performs this piece Travelogue has never done that piece before. They can never do it again, <laughs> and it has this repeating rhyme that first comes out garbled as they're trying to get it, and then eventually it comes out. As I was working on this, I knew I wanted to have some text by the great playwright Richard Foreman. Mm -hmm. He's a genius. He's, he's one of the real stars of 20th century theater, I think. He used to do a new play around an 80-minute play every year in New York City. Wow. But now he's older, and he's not doing it anymore, and I think it's a shame. Mm -hmm. And there was a text from one of his pieces called Symphony of Rats, which I just loved. He had the Wooster Group perform it. And I wanted that text and I got a, a scrap of it. And then it became clear that it was really alternate lyrics to a song called Lullaby of Birdland, okay. which is a song that Mel Torme made famous. Have you ever seen two turtle doves fill and coo when they love? That's the kind of magic music we'll make with our lips when we kiss. Birdland, whisper low, kiss me sweet, then we'll go flying high in Birdland, high in the sky up above. We're in love. And they, the, the Richard Foreman was also did sound collages as part of his plays. He did loops as oh, the, wow. <laughs> the, the musical background for this surreal and very very heady stuff that was the the action of his plays mm -hmm. the dialogue of his, his plays oh yeah he's 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 a treasure he, his his it was like this verbal acid trip being in one of his plays and <laughs> an 80 minute play would be like so dense you'd be kind of exhausted <laughs> by the end of it yeah. <laughs> um in any case so i got from someone who worked with foreman this text but i was wanted to get permission for it so I came up with an alternative text, which was this lullaby to nightmares whisper low in the night where bat wings flow. <laughs> yeah. hmm. And I never got the permission from Foreman. Hmm. So I used my fake sure. rhyme, which hmm. ended up being good. But what liberated me was knowing that no one would ever hear this. Not only <laughs> was it going to be substituted by Foreman's text, but it was going to be garbled by having someone hearing, uh, hearing it on headphones and trying to replicate it. Mm -hmm. So then we had this this rhyme that Flansburg heard as part of Travelogue. Okay. And it's repeated over and over again with this, this 
big uh, repetitive melody and chords that gets sort of ominous and big and it starts garbled and it gets more clear, but then it slows down and it gets really elongated and you're hearing this mm. lullaby to nightmares <laughs> as part of Travelogue. Uh-huh. And then Flansburg said, can you give me those lyrics? Give me those whole lyrics. And I think he might have said, I'm not going to write a song with them, but... Huh. Or he said something like he wanted to make sure I had no qualms about giving him the lyrics. I mm-hmm. just want him. Yeah. I just want to. I just want. I just. Can you give them to me? Lullaby to nightmares, whisper low in the night where the bat wings flow. That's where all the fright mares go when the elephants die. Wouldn't you like to try? He seems like he's just always receptive to just whatever is going to create something, you know, something yeah. new. Like he's just yeah. like really open to just all the stuff around him at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say. Yeah. And so then, I don't know, weeks, maybe months later, there was this song. He wrote it as a song and maybe played it for me on the guitar. Oh, maybe, sure, maybe sure. Maybe recorded a demo and played that for mm-hmm. me. Um, and then when Hello the Band came along, he said, "Well, we'll have you sing this song." So it <laughs> how was, did you feel when he said that? I felt great about it. Oh, okay. Um, and for some reason, it was kind of hard for me to sing it. Um, hard for me to like get the right voice, get the vibe. Mm. And I'm not sure why, because I I like to sing. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I think I added the bloody egg thing. The bloody egg. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about the bloody egg. <laughs> uh, no, no, the bloody egg thing was a part of the original travelogue, but it's only heard once. It's there's a bloody egg line, and then the lullaby to nightmares whisper low. The chorus. That's the thing that repeats over and over mm-hmm. again in travelogue. Yeah, yeah. But in the but at the beginning of travelogue, you hear the whole rhyme in two verses. Sure. But no one who's ever seen Travelogue or even heard the recordings could ever get that because it has in this headphone-driven technique of which I've done a lot of pieces, only the passages that are repeated many times come out of the gibberish into something that's more understandable. (laughs) Uh And so we had the bloody egg, but I think we added... We added a a, a whole extra verse, the sitting under the sun or a tree or something. Have you ever heard the blackbird song summer days all summer long underneath the shady tree a shadow sitting next to me and we stare at the sun yeah i think this i think maybe flansburg wrote this oh no way that's very flansburg summer days all summer long <laughs> Do you think he did that entire second verse? I think so. Interesting. That's an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> a lot of exclusives. A lot of exclusives. Yeah, the, the Lullaby and Nightmares Whisper Low, In the Night Where Bat Wings Flow, that was really trying to capture the Richard Foreman okay. thing. And When the Elephants Die, is that, a, a sp- any, is that also just part of that same stream? Or is that a what sp- do you mean? Um, is there a, what the I, hell am I saying there? Yeah, like, is there anything behind that line, or is it just like a sad, surreal image? I mean, the the song to me always evoked like there's like dolly paintings with like elephants with long arms or mm-hmm. like long not arms, you know what I mean? Whatever elephants have limbs, <laughs> their feet, 
like I always just saw that song as kind of like mm. a surrealist painter kind of song. Oh, cool! Just I that, like just that. Just as a listener who knows nothing about the backstory of the song, which is most people, <laughs> you know? right? It's kind of it has sort of a tortured backstory or long. It's a kind of convoluted yeah, backstory. Yeah, but, yeah. So, but most people aren't getting that. They're just hearing the lyrics out of in their own context, rather. Yeah. That's where all the frightmares go. I think I wanted to say something die, and I just chose elephants because yeah. elephant graveyard. And it's also, it's sort of like, it's like. What, what about elephant graveyard? What, elephants have graveyards, apparently. Okay. Or. Dave, did you hear about this? <laughs> no, I think the idea is that humans didn't understand where elephants, where elephant remains were. Yeah. Right. Where is the elephant's graveyard? Mm -hmm. But this idea of an elephant's graveyard, I think I liked it because it's a little bit like a like a grotesque nursery rhyme. And so that sort of fits like animals and creatures yeah. <laughs> and... That line uh, always upset my wife. <laughs> what, the elephant's dying? Yeah, or her favorite animal. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I love elephants. She's, she's awaiting your apology. <laughs> I'm sorry, what's your name? Chrissy. Chrissy, I'm sorry about the elephants. It was oh, just an image, it's just, <laughs> it's just lyrics, you know? I love elephants. <laughs> I do not wish death upon any oh, elephant. sure, yeah. <laughs> it is particularly poignant, though, to use. I, yeah. yeah, no, I know. Well, also because they're one of like the smartest animals, yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. it's even more sad. Yeah, it's sad and <laughs> sad and creepy. Mm-hmm. And, and the bloody egg thing too is the bloody egg have like a is that just like it's just me being grotesque? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I was, why I, I really let my unconscious go because I knew yeah. it was just fake. No one was ever gonna hear it. It was gonna be totally replaced <laughs> by Richard Foreman. That's why the surrealist thing is just it feels like you know. Not that there's no logic to it, but it's it's really like mm -hmm. it's not like you're telling a story. You're you're right. showing images. Yeah, that are. Like it's also upsetting. It's <laughs> also engaging or almost taunting the listener. Says, "Have you ever seen? Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you like to try?" Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's like, have you ever seen or have you ever heard? Yeah, is yeah. one of those is one of those. It's kind of like like just like the witch in a fairy tale being like, "Come here to the creepy house." <laughs> have or whatever. you ever heard? <laughs> I've never seen a... <laughs> right, except it's a bloody egg, and that, that yeah. to me that's a, like I, I, I kind of like it. I should I should write more poems that I know people will never hear, and then hey, and then snap my fingers. Like, oh, do. it's good enough for people to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and glass in hand, lying up in bed is like a more literal representation of someone waking from a nightmare. You know? Oh, right. Right. That's how I took it. I, I assume that's that. Was oh, the, I yeah. thought it was like the person in their penthouse. Like it's like Hugh Hefner. You know, like <laughs> like have you ever uh, seen yeah. something as grotesque as a bloody egg in the position oh, and disposition so of of a Hugh Hefner in the penthouse? house with, someone, the, with the, like the martini glass hmm. that's so funny I, I always look at it as someone jumping out of bed like in a movie when someone you know when someone has a nightmare in a movie mm -hmm. getting their glasses no but they're lying up in bed yeah lying. well I guess I guess meant, I well lying up is kind of a strange phrasing uh, yeah because uh, it, it's a contradiction because if you're lying you're not up yeah I imagine <laughs> sort of lying back actually lying back in bed but I said lying up. Yeah, um, but I like that, though. Yeah, no, it's funny. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. It adds to the <laughs> it's brilliant. weirdness. Cause, well, it's because it's the lying down would be like the phrase that you... Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. I right. mean, that's like a very, like, They Might Be Giants lyric kind of thing is, is doing yeah. those little twists on, on things that you've heard before. That's, that is what happens in collaboration. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so the music of the track, though, uh, so what... 
what were you, did you have involvement besides singing? Maybe nothing. I've always really loved just the sound of that song, like every everything about it. It's a good array, and that's Jay Sherman Godfrey on like steel guitar. It's very dreamy. Oh, it's yeah. some, It's not a steel guitar. It's some special guitar. I can't even tell. It's 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 definitely unique sounding. Mm. It has like a slight tremolo on it, and all that. I had this idea that I wanted my voice to have a certain sort of Peter Paul and Mary quality, <laughs> uh, and I sort of accomplished it. Actually, I'm not sure why. I've always loved the, the singing on it. I mean, it's oh, always, thanks. I've always been like a huge I, fan of that. I, yeah, I really like the timber. Yeah, that you thanks. Have. Exactly. It it goes perfectly with everything. The lyrics. It's, the, the it's a really unique recording yeah. all around. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> like, I don't know what to compare it to even. Um, but it, it always like worked really well. Like my girlfriend, she, mm-hmm. I, I, I sent you like we covered that song. Oh yeah, I still have Me heard. and her, I asked her what they might song and all of like they might be giants. Really? Would you want to cover? And she picked that. Wow, she, like, really liked nice. It. Yeah. like a there's like a little bit of a songwriter in me who hasn't really been released by inner songwriter yeah well when you said since you joined the corporation was a lot of your arrangement and music and stuff like that i i didn't yeah you know. i wrote i wrote this song for iris rose and it's recorded somewhere it's for a watch face piece oh. and it's got a whole arrangement chords and everything do you so you think you'll ever like do more the more traditional chords know. and lyrics kind uh, of thing? <laughs> i have some I have some non-Radio Wonderland projects in mind that are not songwriting. Oh. <laughs> uh, so then it would have to come after that. But yeah, I, I think I, you know, I sort of feel like, hmm, this comes out all right. Yeah. I, yeah but then again, with, with, with Travelogue, I had to fool myself in this pretty convoluted way. I just have to get over that inhibition, mm. I think, is, is a lot of that. Yeah, uh, but I could I could do it, and I'm I'm older now. I have more confidence. <laughs> I'm just always I just on a personal note, just always been like a. Oh, I'm so glad. I mean, I like it more than the They Might Be Giants version because uh-huh. it, it just has more of a dreamy, you know. Like it's a, more appropriate to the lyrics, feel. I think. That's yeah. what I've always thought too. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, it makes. This kind of genre and this kind of mood isn't quite They Might Be Giants. Not quite. They haven't done too much of that kind of feel. Maybe a couple songs I could probably think of if I had like a list in front of me. Well, but even a couple songs would then yeah, yeah. argue for having them do a version that sounds like this. Yeah, But yeah. instead it turns into sort of a, really a, a Flansburg uh, a production number. Like, yeah. With the horns. Well, sort of like and... we said, it, it is like more relaxed sounding. Than this one, like the yeah, like mm. than yeah. their typical stuff, and right, but relaxed, but in that in a scary <laughs> like because the chord progression and stuff, it has like a spooky relaxed feel, it's which is why scary. it's such an interesting thing. That's why it's uh. scary. Yeah, because it's not <laughs> it's not scary in a way where it's like aggressively scary. It gets under your right. skin a little it's bit. It's like it is like a lullaby, but yeah, and and I'm not <laughs> I'm doing it sort of deadpan. I'm doing it sort of like yeah. I'm the troubadour. The <laughs> young maiden went to the castle. And 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 it's 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 so it's just like the lyrics are so scary, but it's as if the singer doesn't know it. Or yeah, 
And just it's just on a, like a most basic, so just, the melody's great, everything about it. Oh, is, yeah. Like yeah. I can't take credit for the melody. Uh, we have one more song on the Hello EP to go, which is Hello, Hello. Which is a, a pretty big one because then he put that on Monopuff's first album. Our arrangement. Yeah. So yeah, hello, hello. I actually listened to the Gary Glitter version <laughs> before leaving. It doesn't have the ominous feel. Yeah. it says this was kind of the impetus for getting together the hello the band in the first place is you or he Flansburg suspected you wanted to cover this and that was the whole reason to get together or is that like songs that have the word hello in them right. was like part of the like an original like scrapped idea he did say something like that didn't he <laughs> i think that was totally made up i think it was something that was going to be good for the press gotcha. mm. i should, probably should not deny it but whatever, <laughs> it's been years no he wanted to do the house band for hello and then it seemed natural to do to cover the song mm, right. as like the theme. <laughs> the, yeah, the but I seem to remember that there's some sort of origin story. <laughs> mm -hmm. He did say, is it okay if I say that, like he's called me the producer on Hello on the Monopuff record, but even though we co-produced on, or something, something like that. There was yeah. some, there's some shenanigans where I said, ah, I would say whatever you want. Uh -huh. But no, it was just that we would do this one cover because right. it, mm -hmm. it was Hello, Hello. And I came up with this drum part. Okay. And Flansburg assumed that I sampled two bars and presented that to him. But no, I had one sampled drum and I made up that whole pattern. That oh, wow. Okay. With the things, with the drums kind of flamming and not being totally together very carefully. And it wasn't until we were done that he realized that. He said to me, well, can you give me that sample? And I said, look, sure, it's just one drum, you know. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I want the loop that you got. I said, well, but I made that arrangement. It's like, it's mine. Uh -huh. Oh, and it, then it was like, oh, you mean you spent all that time? Wow. But he's not, the, he's not this detailed guy the way, the way I am, mm -hmm. you know. So that's, that would, that's totally like me to, to go through each 16th note. Did you miss me? On the verses, there's this gated voice thing. Let's see if it's... <laughs> yeah. So that's an example of something that's very Joshua, but it totally <laughs> came from Flans. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think one thing that was happening here is he was a little skittish. Like, was I going to be like too weird with the processed sounds and the weird effects? Do you think it would but break the vibe or something? Something. I think yeah. it's just a little skittish. Mm -hmm. But when it came from him, yeah. I would, of course, go for it. So yeah, that's yeah. how it turned out. <laughs> and what we did is we recorded us just yelling uh. multi-tracks, and then we just played with the faders. Oh, wow. So it wasn't really a gate. It wasn't really or a Or even gate. a sample oh. at all. It was just like, mm -hmm. like that. Just button, button, wow. unmute, and then mute. 
Wow. And it worked just <laughs> fine. Because it was on the Monopuff album, and that's like an album I listened to like a billion times when it came mm-hmm. out. You know, when I was, I think I was high school, because I remember with being with my high school friend singing these songs with him <laughs> walking down the street. I was trying to get him into They Might Be Giants. And he did like, he liked the album a lot. We would sing this song, <laughs> like, outside the school and stuff to each other. And it always, that creeped me out. And that voice part always used to, it is, like, kind of a scary. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah, scream. Yeah, it's kind of a scary moment because it, it is, like, it's, like, very uh, artificial sounding. Right, it's, but very human. Yeah, at the same time, which is, like, to me, like, contrasts are both scary and interesting. Yeah, I think Gary Glitter and Glitter Rock in general has this whole sense of artifice about it. Hmm. It's it's patently fake. It's, <laughs> it's um, from Benny and the Jets to Bowie to Gary Glitter, maybe hmm. Gary Glitter especially. It's all the all the production seems kind of fake and studio-y. Yeah, but the idea of glitter is that it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like a... It's artificially shiny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an add-on. <laughs> Apparently, it's really ecologically bad news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad because glitter is so. That's wonderful. why I had to stop using it. <laughs> yeah, is that why mm. people have been wondering? Dave's four <laughs> months sober. Um, so yeah. So what else about the, the like? The, is all the guitars and the bass stuff? Is that like Flansburg? Yeah. yeah, and I had a synth part that I had originally thought would be pretty dominant. I think it got whittled down to it's only at the near the end. I can barely hear it. It's a synth going something like that. I don't know if I've ever noticed. And I had imagined that it would, with my drums, it would be really (laughs) loud and in your face. (laughs) And we never quite agreed on the approach. Yeah. But it landed where it is, and I really like it. And it's very underplayed. It's good. It's very non-Gary Glitter. It has the one, it has the pounding yeah. drums thing, and it finally gets pretty intense toward, towards the end. It has the has the, the <laughs> cello, but it was this kind of contrary approach that just sort of evolved. We didn't actually agree on. <laughs> I sort of wish we had because then I would have understood like why that synth part had yeah. to had to become sort of uh, subliminal. But it just sort of evolved that way. Like tried to work it out in the mix. No, it still isn't matching. And the goodness gracious was just with uh, pitch. Well, there's pitch shifting all over it. Mm -hmm. The harmonies throughout, I think, are through a pitch shifter. Is goodness gracious in the original lyrics? Yes. It is. Okay. Do you think, why do you think he he then put this one on the Monopuff first album as opposed to the other songs? Think it just fits in some way? Did he ever mention anything about that? No, he just said, I'm going to do this, and how about I credit you as co-producer, I think, yeah. or as producer. I'm glad that, that Lullaby and Hello, Hello got they got their life. It's yeah, cool. yeah. Well, that's what I mean, yeah, because it gave the song, like, a second chance for people to hear it more. Yeah. And, you know, Boris, like, I don't know, like, other, like, Town to Town, I think is a lot. Like, I could see mm-hmm. Since You Joined the Corporation, actually, as a Monopuff song, easily. Because Monopuff's yeah, got actually. a funky mm. feel. So I could totally have seen that also being, like, repurposed. But, you know, that's what I'm interested in, the decisions behind those things. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> Does it fit with the Monopuff? Does I, it somehow... Yeah, it's kind of like this, uh, this weird 
centerpiece of the album. It's like in the middle of the album, uh-huh. and it's you know I think it fits pretty well. I think it does too, though. I can't I, I can't imagine any other way at this point. Yeah, once you're used to it, like but, it's it's a weird album. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's all over the place, and the album has a bunch of like covers on it, and and it's like 33 minutes long. But yeah, hello, hello on it is because I so it's probably the one I've heard the most, I guess. So maybe Lullaby to Nightmares because I always singled that out and listen to it a lot. Whisper low. <laughs> oh, so one thing that the the that is mentioned online is that there was gonna possibly be a sequel EP to the Hello the Band, like an, uh, like maybe the next year. And Hello, do you have do you not remember? <laughs> oh, you mean way back when we were gonna do it again? Yeah, there was gonna be. Was anything ever prepared for that or or no? So I, I think that's the extent of the They Might Be Giants collaborations, right? I know that you, I know you did a venue songs show with them, right? Right. What, I, what was that experience like? Uh, that segues to my current project, Radio that's perfect. Wonderland. That's perfect. Um, yes. Oh, wait, you're supposed to say that. I'm not supposed no, to No, no, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so exhausted from this show. I like other people doing oh. stuff for me. <laughs> well, we'll move over, Jordan, because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just uh, I saw that you perf- you performed something with them, or yeah, if you can, and you you so you were saying you hadn't worked with them in a while, so we can pick it up from there. Right. That's that's actually what's interesting about it to me, is that kind of gap in you know doing stuff with them. It was nice. Again, it was Flansburg. He knew obviously that Radio Wonderland existed. That's my solo act now, mm-hmm. and and so they were having a residency at. Le Poisson Rouge every month or something. I went to some of them, but yeah, I didn't yeah. see the one that, that you were there for, unfortunately. So I, so I opened for them. And then Flansburg said, can you be the, the narrator for this segment of the set called Venue Songs? Yeah. And it was after my set. And my set was kind of funky because Le Poisson Rouge is in a basement. Oh, yeah. Which means I don't get a lot of radio perception. So it was a pretty quirky, pretty quirky show. Mm-hmm. I was pleased with it. I got some nice video from it, some nice shots. And, mm. and it was fun performing in front of They Might Be Giants fans, the yeah. hardcore um, among which knew me. Right. Yeah. And one of them said, Joshua. And I said, yeah. Uh, thank you for writing so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. Lullaby to Nightmares or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like to... Thank you for writing that. Yeah, that's hmm. nice. That's really nice. And then when I did, I had on my like my tux jacket, which was like my standard uniform there. And because I was so completely buzzed and with the adrenaline pumping because my show was done, I did it flawlessly. I just stumbled <laughs> once. I had my yeah. cues and I just like oh, ran man. through it. Not all the songs created on that now legendary tour will be performed tonight. <laughs> Rest assured, people of town name here, <laughs> the less appealing qualities of all the excluded songs still echo in this whirlwind sampling of They Might Be Giants' venue songs. But you've seen you've seen venue songs with I, the narration, right? I'm a right? huge fan of venue songs. I think it's like very underrated thing of theirs. They're really good songs. They're great songs. Well, because I like venue songs more than the real album they made that year. 
Like they okay. they made like an album that they worked hard on. Which and all was the, which one? What was it? Was it the, the else? Spine? It might have been the spine or the else. And I I liked it, but then when venue songs came out, it actually felt more like a they might be giants album in a weird way. It's more like their quirky, their quirky, really short songs, genre, right. genre bending. Yeah, the yeah. lyrics were really great. Mm-hmm. Like for like I don't know. It sounds it's just very inspired. Is there more than one House of Blues song or just one? There's two. House of Blues West Hollywood. Yeah, there's... It's so funny that they have two. Like, it felt like more like their first album. Almost. Like sure. Was, you know, I, and but I don't know, for some reason, it. I don't know, it just kind of came and went kind of quick, I feel. Mm. I really like House of Blues West Hollywood. Which one, so is, which one is that one? There's a band that's living in oh, LA yeah. that never yeah. get to play. That's a great, yeah. yeah. I love, yeah, the songs are great. Um and I think most of them are Linnell songs. I think so. I yeah, think he just yeah. he can't turn off the, the songwriting thing. I have a couple of origin stories you might not know oh, uh, sure. that just come to mind. Flansburg and Linnell were talking about palindromes, and Flansburg <laughs> wanted to come up with like the most stupid, like drunken non-palindrome, like an embarrassing, like mm-hmm. idiot non-palindrome. Just said, like I palindrome I. Yeah. <laughs> and then so then 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 Linnell turned that into well, a song. so Flansburg did the song first. So he sang it first. So there's a whole different song called "I Pounds or My." Oh yeah, that yeah, Flansburg yeah. did for Dial a Song, and it's a totally different lyrics. Or on totally the different. Fourth of July. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I had no idea. Um, oh wow. So it's like a great like song, lyrics. but it's totally <laughs> lost because then Linnell must have been like, "Well, here's mine," and it's. Oh, I had no idea. That. Yeah. So that's so I always suspected that Flansburg came up with the the phrasing of it, but then you know Linnell took that and ran with it. That's so funny. <laughs> and I think wow. the Purple Toupee and Pencil Rain was a similar thing. I had this idea that Flansburg sort of gave Linnell an assignment like, what about this? Oh, really? And, hmm. but was that the Purple? Maybe it's just I Palindrome Mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know, you know more about it than I do. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I um, am crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why not? It's just from years. I mean, it's not like I've tried. It's just years of of existing as a fan. Kind right. Of. So, okay, so you did the venue songs thing and you opened with Radio Wonderland. So now we can, I really want to get this this in of you. You can tell the world, <laughs> you know, our, our listeners at least. Tell us all about Radio Wonderland and when, when did that start? Step away from the vehicle. Step away from the vehicle. I'm step away from the vehicle. I'm step away from the vehicle. Well, it became an official thing in 2007, but I had known since the mid 90s that this is what I wanted to do. And I had been working with radio since the early 80s. I uh, worked with live radio in the late 80s. Uh, maybe, maybe even earlier, and I had the musical shoes in the late '80s, <laughs> yeah. which are shoes that are yeah. op- that are controlling gates. Mm-hmm. It was completely non-digital. I had uh, uh, noise gates that would be triggered by the shoes, but the audio that was being gated would not be the shoes. It would be something else, like radio or a mm-hmm. tape loop or some sound coming from a tape recorder. And then in around nineteen. 19- 99. I had a piece that was that was shoot, called Shoes, Loops, and FM Radio, where I would grab a piece of live radio, and I think that was 89, actually. But I was already doing dance grooves, 
based on collages using a lot of tape loops that I would mix live with echo and effects. And then like around 94, I kind of sat down like, what am I going to do next with my life? <laughs> and I didn't have an answer to that, but I knew almost immediately what I, what I wanted to do next musically. Yeah. Oh, I should go back to doing club stuff because in the 90s, I had done stuff with the Bang on a Can organization, uh, the sort of like contemporary avant-garde post-minimalist <laughs> classical music, mm -hmm. you could say more or less. There's okay. a lot of words <laughs> in there. But I realized... And it's when I did travelogue and this stuff where people wear headphones. Mm -hmm. That stuff that was done in concert halls um, where I would get grants and my concerts would be at eight o'clock and people would sit down. And I wanted to go back to the world where I got admission price and I would maybe sell records and the concert would start at 10 or 11 or 12 at night and it would be in a club environment. I wanted to go back to doing grooves, but unlike this, these tape loop based dance grooves that I would perform at the Pyramid Club, where I would slave over this underlying tape loop for weeks and then do the mix somewhat spontaneously yeah. live. I wanted to somehow do this collage in real time yeah. in front of the audience, taking pieces of radio and make a groove that was actually danceable <laughs> using some kind of computer power to collage this radio as part of the show mm -hmm. and include the shoes. <laughs> and then I... A few years later, like two years later, I realized, oh, there's this software called Max, M-A-X, that has introduced audio processing. And, oh, I, this is how I can program it. I will program this myself. And that took years. And along wow. the way, I realized, oh, I want a continuous controller. I need to vary sounds, not just trigger them with the shoes. Mm -hmm. But this has to be somewhat performative. I don't want to be messing with the mouse. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what is a big knob? Let me have a giant knob, an object. <laughs> That would be like, sort of like the shoes. And I was thought for a long time, like a captain's wheel, you know, like on a ship. Yeah. Um, or maybe a steering wheel. And then after a while, I was like, no, 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 steering wheel, steering wheel. <laughs> and it is a super simplistic giant knob. Yeah. It only works on one dimension. No horn, no gear shifter, none mm. of that. It's just a giant knob. But because it's so big, I can play melodies on it in a way that you wouldn't want to do with a little tiny knob, mm. or certainly not the mouse. Mm -hmm. So I can transpose radio with a lot of control, and it's very performative. Mm. And so I walk on stage with no pre-recorded sounds, carrying a boombox, maybe have an audience member spin the dial. Oh, so really? Like, look, oh, that's look, fine. look, Ma, no hands. You know, yeah. It's really live radio. Yeah. I plug it in, and then you immediately hear, like, oh, that's the radio. He plugged it into the gear. It's blasting over the PA. Mm -hmm. And then I make a loop out of radio. And then I cut up the loop, and those cut-up bits become 16th notes. And mm. I play that one bar, and then after, like, a few bars, like, well, that's musical. That's, like a, that's a yeah, riff. Yeah. Whether it was a song or it was the DJ. In fact, if it's a voice from a commercial, it's almost more effective. There's one that had, like, a taco commercial in the middle pop in. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, right. I, uh, I thought that was really Good funny. to be back in L.A. Yes, that's right. Yeah. All right. Like, did... Right. Um, <laughs> well, each track on the album is yes. a highly edited Okay. Uh, concert. Okay, so, so th that's like a live album, though, in a, right? It is a highly edited live album because okay. Radio Wonderland Ooh. only exists yeah. live. I don't compose it. It is it is processed radio that's done in real time. The whole rule of the show is I can use any radio that I happen to pick up off the air during mm -hmm. the course of the show from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Nothing pre-recorded, and and also I don't wear headphones, so 
Oh, the yeah. audience hears exactly what I hear. Yeah, like nothing up my sleeve. So mm-hmm. if there's some fat, if there's some fabulous sample that's on the radio during a period when the radio is not being amplified, yeah. I can't hear it. The audience can't hear it. But I don't get it. Hmm. Although it is possible for me to hit my grab button and grab what was on the radio without hearing it, and occasionally I'll do that. So like, I know there's a commercial on, and I don't want to hear the commercial, but let me hear one bar's worth of the commercial right now. So just boom, mm-hmm. what was that? And it usually doesn't work out because when I use my ears to decide what I want to grab off the radio. And so each track on the album is taken from one live concert. Oh, wow. So that was one, that was like one night. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. I also have a weekly radio show where I perform Radio Wonderland on the radio. Oh, cool. So a number of the tracks on the album are from that because I do that every week. Yeah. And that taco commercial, <laughs> yeah. even though I highly edited, this is one of the things that to me is just magical about it. Mm-hmm. The, okay, I told you, it's a highly edited show. It's like a half hour show yeah. um, that I edited to six minutes. But the cut, mm. when the music breaks down and suddenly there's a taco commercial, mm-hmm. that's exactly how it happened. That's amazing. I was that wondering. breakdown was as it happened. And the groove jumps back. I do, what I did is I shortened <laughs> one little thing in there. Mm. ideas some bread that's about to expire in the fridge but when you're staring down a crunchy taco back in la back in la back in la yeah because when uh, i was listening to your mm-hmm. stuff and that really jumped out at me and i was like the, was that like because it, it, it felt edited and like you put that in as like a to remind people that it's the radio because because that's we how it happened so far in the concert it. yes yeah and yeah that, that's really funny I sure you got that. a couple of ideas there's some something left over in the fridge yeah <laughs> when you're staring down a juicy taco right <laughs> yeah. something like that yeah yeah that was great I, well, I, I can't believe i have trouble remembering it now because man that was crammed into my yeah. head yeah yeah um the other track that stood out just on your soundcloud just uh get off at halsey street halsey street yeah i thought just i had a really like interesting um almost did kind of like a spooky vibe to it like a more yeah, yeah. What, what it, was, it closes do you know what the, that even was? Oh, yeah. From? Well, it, it closes the album. Mm. And it was from one of the tracks that I chose. I thought maybe this is going to be an album track. But when mm. I knew I wanted to have an album closer, I, I took a whole different approach and went with a dreamy yeah, slow tempo. Dream, yeah. Um, and I wanted a closer. And um, there's the Bowie and Eno tradition of having a dreamy drift away oh, closing. <laughs> sure. And then there's Bob Dylan who would kind of say, Farewell and sometimes farewell, fuck you, at the end <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for the last track on an album. So I wanted yeah. to be like, okay, we're going away. Yeah, get off at like that's the yeah. I yeah. really like that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And Halsey Street is the street where I've where two of the best venues where I like to go to events on, oh, where I like okay. to go to dance are, and it is a very cool neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It is to twenty sixteen what Avenue A was to the old days yeah. where they might be giants. Yeah, mm. that's why I played Avenue A all the time and. Like when I started too, no, I mean, it was right. like two thousand one yeah. and two thousand two. Yeah, it's in Ridgewood. 
Okay. And what what's the sample on that song? That's like the musical. You don't know. Yeah, that's what I was wondering is if you even knew. Well, that's the thing about great... Radio Wonderland. Yeah. It's a classical music thing mostly, mm-hmm. uh, but there's other things in it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I know and sometimes I don't. And sometimes the whole audience knows and I don't. Yeah, because I was on a bus last night when I was listening to your, because they, they take all the, they take us all on a bus to get lunch a few blocks up. For, uh, oh, that's the whole, nice. It's a whole thing. But you know, I was like, it was nighttime, looking out the window, listening oh, cool. to that. So that one came on, and that's why I took a screenshot of it so that I remember. Oh, like, yeah, was, that one and Deep Rehearsal are sort of like the deep tracks that are the favorites. Yeah, but Radio Family and Good to Be Back in L.A. are kind of like the radio. Do you have? Ones. Is there like any like Radio Wonderland spontaneous moments that really jump out at you as like favorite? Things? I mean, in the whole history, yeah, of doing any, it? anything either on the album or just from your live. Your uh, well, at the Figment Festival last summer, I got Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake, Justin <laughs> Timberlake, and it was just perfectly synced, yeah. and it kept on coming back. And it was also it was might have been the longest set. It was about a sixty minute, seventy minute set. Wow. And, it, and there's kind no of, breaks. It just keeps. It was just no. Oh wait, wait. It's not all Justin Timberlake. The Justin Timberlake comes in and out, but, but my set had no breaks. But there's no like next. Now we're doing the next song, stopping in between the. No, no. Wow. Sometimes there's natural divisions and people might clap. Mm. Okay. I mm. thought about doing that. The more fluid and uh, the more mastery I get of this instrument that I invented, the more I'm thinking, yeah, I can erase everything and start again in the middle of the show. Yeah. But generally I don't. Generally it's like one composition. Right. Um, but I've gotten better at saying like, well, that was a nice riff. Let me grab a whole new piece of radio, make a whole new groove out of it. It took years to really master this. It used to be like, well, mm-hmm. I got one piece of radio. I cut it up. Sounds okay. It's kind of funky. I transposed it a whole step. Oh, yeah. that works. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, transpose this three different ways, make a pattern, have it maybe five different ways, different parts of the bar transposed differently. Okay, that's a nice riff. Let me have a drone over it. Okay, I can do that. And then, and then so conceivably I could toss it. And, okay, here's a whole new swath of material and I know what to do with it. So is is everything not just the album but like everything on the SoundCloud and all that is that all just from live performances or do you ever just like do it here? Well, there's non-Radio Wonderland stuff on my SoundCloud. Or, no, I mean Radio Wonderland is it's a it is is does it always have to be in front of people? Is that part of the point of it? Well, I do my weekly streaming show, but that's, that's from, from the next room. Okay, so that's just from here. Oh, okay, that's what right. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did I did recently. I might want to do this more, but. The State of the Union address was an audio program that I knew in advance mm-hmm. was going to happen. So I did a live streaming okay. Radio Wonderland of the State of the Union oh, wow. address. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of cool. I mean, it was sort of awful for a lot of people. But <laughs> No, you, you linked me to that. And I was oh. like, oh, <laughs> I just try to avoid hearing him right. talk. Well, maybe it would can. be cathartic. Yeah. Or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, but for, so for the album, so, cause I, when I was listening, I noticed like, there's no, you don't hear an audience, right? At any part? No, because it's direct board tapes. Okay. So, but, but that was like a choice. You didn't want to hear like that ambience of like people reacting to anything or did you want it to be, be kind of isolated in that, in the radio, you know, like in that, in no, your I, equipment? I went with what I had, okay. but <laughs> ideally, you know, if, you know, with more touring, mm. if I had the wherewithal, like, yeah, let's have room mics. Yeah, let's get that, the, that could uh, be cool. Oh yeah. No, I would, I would like that. Okay. It, 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 it almost always adds. Yeah. I would, I would say. So. But part of the, part of the idea of the album was, let me make this sort of a test case. 
can this possibly hold stand up on its own as music mm. without people knowing what's going yeah. on, without seeing me jumping around like, here's the wheel? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's why, except for Radio Family, you don't really get it. I guess there's that taco commercial. There's some other things. <laughs> but basically, especially tracks like uh, a bunch of them, Miley Cyrus and Miley, Deep Rehearsal. You know, it just goes straight into the groove, and you have no idea that everything's made out of radio. What's connected to the shoes? Like, how does they that have little work? piezo transducers, or, or, or like uh, <laughs> those are the things that are used on piezo. Um, there's a the, I don't the, the, know. I don't, they I are don't know. used in acoustic, the cheap acoustic guitar pickups. Oh, okay. It's this little round that disc that you hole. put on the guitar. Okay. I think they. I have, it's a, it's what's called a contact mic. Mm-hmm. I think, but they're embedded in the heels. And what I've discovered <laughs> over the years is that you need to dampen this because I'm whacking the heel really hard. Yeah. And, and these transducers have a certain dynamic range, which will be exceeded by me smashing the mm-hmm. shoe with my stick. So you want to dampen it. Yeah. And then that gets uh, sent with a regular guitar cable to mm. uh, an audio to MIDI trigger thing. And so the MIDI gets sent to my to my computer. Yeah, and the wheel is also a MIDI controller. So I actually wanted like, is there any shows coming up? That March fifteenth could... at 15th. the Glove in New York City at the Glove, which is in Bushwick, not Ridgewood, oh, but Bushwick okay. on Lexington in Brooklyn, eight eight five Lexington. Then on March 30th in Mansfield, Pennsylvania, maybe oh, there wow. are listeners there. Yeah, yeah. At Mansfield U. As People part of emailed their... us from all around the world, actually. April 4th at Desperate Annie's in Saratoga Springs. April 4th, Desperate Annie's. You April hear that? 5th, <laughs> everyone. Lost Dog Cafe in Binghamton, where I played uh, last year sometime. It was really fun. Lovely people, really fun venue, Lost Dog Cafe. And back in New York, April 17th at Holo. Okay. Um, and we will link to stuff anyway, but in case people are like out and about while listening, uh, is like what's like the like the best place for people to go online to like keep track of this stuff? Uh, RadioWonderland.com or Facebook.com/slash RadioWonderland. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Wow. Um, is there anything else about? Is there anything besides Radio Wonderland you, you feel like you're gonna be doing musically? I have a new project, but since. I'm not sure when it's going to happen. Maybe I shouldn't talk about okay. it. But it's me. It's me. It's more solo music. Oh, I'm so and interested in that. <laughs> new Radio Wonderland uh, recordings probably going to happen in the next within the next year. Maybe not an LP, but probably an EP. Okay. That 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 first album is really a first album. It covers sort of the early sound and the early years, and I, I'm already it, the, the shows are just better mm-hmm. now. The grooves yeah are better. Um, and I tell people to skip our first episode. <laughs> oh, really? I feel like, yeah, I actually re-listened to it recently. Yeah, I did it's, too. it's weird. It it's, is weird. It's like, oh, that's fun to know those things. We, see, like, we instantly got better. <laughs> that's only from a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, that's what happens. It's weird strange. when that happens. Well, you, well, I mean, when you're learning an instrument or learning anything, like, you, yeah. you grow by quantum leaps, like, every time yeah. you practice. Yeah, yeah. And then the next year, you grow more slowly. Right. You still have to keep going. So when we do the real Plateau. interview next time that we're actually right, then we'll be way better. Yeah, I should hope so. 
so. Um, right, but yeah. Uh, oh, and also, I'm going to be upgrading my software, my whole processing capability. Yeah. I haven't. I made a deal with myself when I first started doing Radio Wonderland. I had to stop coding and get on stage. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even squashed all the bugs. Hmm. And there's a few capabilities that I always wanted. Yeah. But then I realized I can continue computer programming for another yes. few months and knock out these bugs, but I can work around them and get on stage mm -hmm. now. So exactly. let me do that. But, and so I made a deal with myself. I'm not going to change one line of code until I have an album out. Mm. Of course, the album came out uh, end of 2016, <laughs> early 2017. It's now mm -hmm. 2019. Yeah. And I still don't have the new software. But that's going to be the next... That and more recordings are the next big... Yeah, I, re I relate to that. That was kind of with our podcast, too, because we were just... We kept meeting up, talking about it, meeting up, talking right. about doing it, talking about doing it. And we're like, let's just do it. And if it has problems, we'll just... You know, right on getting better at and it. Luckily, yeah. it was perfect. It was perfect, so <laughs> we didn't Damn. have to worry. Right? Is there anything <laughs> else you wanted to cover before we? <laughs> uh, Iris Rose is brilliant. Check yes. out her work. There's, I have it all on my computer right now. The tabs of the of her site and stuff are open. There's a lot though. Like, there's oh, I know. So much. Yeah, that I'm not yeah. sure where they actually. Well, Serial Killer series was was a great. Yeah. One. Oh, and also, I don't know how well it's documented, but she did a piece called Sloth. They all, they did the seven deadly sins and her piece called Sloth. Really Sloth, okay, I'll, yeah. but especially as performed by Iris. Maybe it's not it's documented because recently it was performed by somebody else. But when she did Sloth, it's mm. basically it has a soundtrack which is all television sounds, okay. and she does it to the soundtrack. And it's basically a person who just wants to be in bed watching TV. There for a minute. We, now we have biggest danger. The biggest danger would be the. Uh, Atomic bomb, I suppose. All right, is it the atomic bomb? <laughs> Somehow it's not. That's where it is. Why not? Oh, well, there, actually, there is something else that I wanted oh, sure. to say. It was about that scene. Mm, yeah, um, I'm, I'm very interested in that whole... So there was this place called the Pyramid Club, which was most famous for drag queens dancing on the bar. Okay. <laughs> but they also booked bands. Mm -hmm. So they booked bands and performance art as out there as Joshua, which is my name back the, in those days. Mm -hmm. I had that Atlantic Records deal. Or they might be giants yeah. at the Pyramid Club or Iris Rose at the Pyramid Club, mm -hmm. where you would go and you would dance to the DJ and you would enjoy the show, whether it was a band or as one of those drag queens. And so naturally I met They Might Be Giants there mm -hmm. when there was this, there was such a, an inclusive and vibrant culture. The Pyramid Club had a decent crowd seven days a week. They had live mm. shows seven days a week. You just can't have that now. Yeah. Everything is siloed and there's less of it. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and it's too bad. So when I do my performances as Radio Wonderland, there's very few venues that really feel like they're just right. Back, I, at the, I, back I in the pyramid feeling. days, <laughs> yeah. the audience member would expect to find something danceable, entertaining, challenging, thought-provoking, and kind of on the edge artistically yeah. all at once. And there have and have there be a DJ playing really current stuff. Now, if you want to go to a, hear a DJ play really current stuff, you go to a dance club where they don't have performances because who wants a performance? That would yeah. just get in the way. Man. And I, I can't get past my paradigm, which is basically Pyramid Club 1985 <laughs> with me on stage <laughs> yeah. and people grooving. Yeah, I won't let go of it. And mm -hmm. and 
people seem to appreciate it, and yet the scene isn't happening. It, like, where would the next Joshua and the next They Might Be Giants even find each other? Yeah. I'm not sure if they would. Because now, so now my, my stuff is kind of siloed. I go to the experimental clubs and or the, uh, I'm basically going to the sort of like the experimental dance clubs mm-hmm. or the clubs that will support experimental kind of stuff. Not where, not where nerd friendly, brilliant rock bands mm-hmm. perform. And it's really, it's really too bad. I, and maybe I'm sort of like a, We know. both relate on, well, like, so Dave's like a big punk guy. And mm. I know Dave's like finding like a venue to play that, you know, for that, right? Well, even when I, I mean, I got into it early 2000s, even then I was seeing a venue close every six yeah. months right. that we had just played at. Like there was like a and, Queens right. punk scene for a while and then it kind of, all yeah. the places closed. Right. So I agree with what you're saying. Everything got very segmented. Everything segmented got, and less of it. Yeah. And for me, so <laughs> Sidewalk Cafe is closing. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was my place that I played yeah, all yeah. my shows at and all yeah. the open right. mics. And that's where I met a lot of people. Though even back then, I didn't feel quite like I fit in. Like Sidewalk mm. Cafe is where people who don't fit in did the open mic stuff. <laughs> I didn't fit in with them. <laughs> so it was very, I've always really, with everything you're saying, I really relate to because I've never known where to play a show. Oh. And I've always, and when I do play shows, whether it's solo with Dave and as a band, I always notice it's like the people going on before us, after us, I'm like, it just doesn't feel right. Like I'm not, I've never really found a lineup where it was like a good, different enough, but not too different where it's like the audience leaves because they're like, well, this is too different. Or they're only there for their band. Sometimes that's That's the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Like the bottom line, no, no, the bitter end where, you know, when the the door person says, who are you here to see? Mm -hmm. But what I've been doing, and it wasn't really my intention, but how it works with the experimental clubs in Ridgewood, like like Transpicos and Holo, is you put together a whole night. Mm -hmm. So since my album came out, I became a curator but some of the nights worked out really well. Yeah. If, I used to do that at Niagara. Yeah, we on, do you know Niagara? Niagara no. Bar it's next the same block as Sidewalk Cafe. Um oh. on the corner there and I they had a they Oh, had where a 7A used to be and then King Tut's Wawa Hut. Is across the street from 7A. Yeah. Oh, on the okay. So oh, you oh, see the oh, park. All right. Um well, it's just there. I guess I yeah. missed it. There's so there's a whole scene there that we it were was. I don't know. I don't know what's happening now. Yeah. Well, they still put out the zine. Oh, right. they, I've actually picked it up. At and a, it's like a punk club? It's like... Um, uh, so Niagara was just a bar, but they had something called the Antagonist Art Movement. Cool. And we would do music shows. Dave would display his art. Uh, they screened a movie that we made. Oh, neat. And they made a little cable access. They yeah, made like a cable right? access special about us that's on YouTube. So there's Wonderful. this crazy like 20 yeah, minute episode of strange. TV all about our uh, all our stuff, which I, I, I'm glad exists. So you have the podcast. What else do you have? I see myself as a songwriter. It's like I actually had, we haven't done an episode in like a month because I said I have to make a new song demo or I'll go crazy. Like I have to do something. Oh, good for you. That's not just about another band. Right. Right. It was supposed to be just because me and Dave would go go to a diner, talk about music, talk about They Might Be Giants, new album, blah, blah, blah. And that's what made me know. We should just record it and see what happens. But it became because of my work ethic, which is that I always want everything to be as good. Definitive. and, and And not like other things. So right. I, you, you'll see if you listen, like it very quickly turns into just something that's very 
uh, labor intensive. <laughs> and uh, I know what it's like to turn things into labor intensive. Yeah. So so our main thing is that I mean I went to film school, so we have a bunch of movies oh. that. Where'd like, you go to film school? School of Visual Arts. Oh, cool. So I also have this backlog of like all these movies I made that Dave stars in or Dave oh, co-wrote cool. with me. <laughs> um, me and Dave have done weird recordings that are kind of strange yeah. <laughs> experimental stuff that I, one day I want to put time. them all up on like a band camp yeah, page, it's pretty funny but I'm, I mean I'm, yeah I'm a freelance artist largely comic book stuff comic book oh really um, I, I pretty much split up my time with uh, the art and then teaching um, but I, you know I've had a punk band 15 years dead on a Friday and um, wait sorry that's the name of the band that's the name of the band dead it's on a Friday dead on a Friday yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> good well, thanks for coming over to my house. Yeah, I wanted to just thank you so much for for having us. Well, it was really fun. All thank the you information very much. about all that those the early days and and the early performance art scene is so interesting. And yeah, and the World's Address remix too. I feel like we really like tore that song apart. Oh, good. Yeah, looked, yeah, yeah. Took yeah. like opened the hood on it, right, and looked at everything. So that was oh, amazing. Happy to do yeah, it. yeah. Thank you for being so generous with your time. And sure. Your yeah. Stories and everything. Oh, I, well, it's fun. Every yeah. everything was really interesting. <laughs> and yeah, we well, were, there was some exceptions, weren't there? Low point. Edit those out. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so, so welcome. It, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. And Anytime. everyone listening, check out Radio Wonderland. Tons of stuff on SoundCloud. It's all very entertaining, very great stuff. I, I really highly enjoyed it, you know, this week preparing for the for the interview. And uh, Dave, is there anything you want to say? Uh, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Wow. Whew, that's, that's that interview. That's the full Man. interview. You guys should have seen us. We went to his apartment. We had microphones with us. We I drank had, water. We drank water. We drove. We got ice cream after. <laughs> Remember that, Dave? Did. That was fun. A little celebratory. I saved Jordan's life. Yeah, that's true. A truck almost backed a, into me. A truck was slowly backing into this, Jordan. This is real. Well, this isn't, if you live in Manhattan, this is something that happens like three times a week. So it's not that out outrageous. And I was like, from my point of view, I was watching this truck slowly back into Jordan. I'm like, it probably won't really hurt him that much to just get bumped by a truck, but maybe I should move him. So I, I leapt into action and I think uh, Jordan owes me a debt. I found Dave's uh, leaping into action to be scarier than the truck. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and uh, I went off with the truck driver, and now we're <laughs> doing a podcast. But after that act of heroism, we definitely earned the ice cream. So thank you, Joshua. First name basis. How about that? Ooh. Uh, and I'm not even on first name basis with uh, Dave Fox here. Mr. Fox. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Joshua, for your, your time, yes. your information, your music. Your candor. Your, your candor. And check out RadioWonderland.com. Yes. He talked about the tour dates he has coming up. It's very entertaining live. You really see the whole process of how all those songs come together. It's super. I was actually watching a bunch last night while I was doing my, my day job. And I was very, yeah, yeah. very entertained. It was good work music, actually. So yeah, RadioWonderland.com. And check out all all the great stuff he does. I'm excited to see what he does in the future, too. Yeah, because a friend of TMBG is a friend to you and me. And I agree. <laughs> oh, and Joshua Freed also emailed me a little note that I wanted to read. 
uh, linking sodium mask. And since you joined the corporation, so since you joined the corporation has the lyric truth, drug lies won't set me free. And he says sodium mask is a reference to that sodium pentothal. So that's what connects those two songs uh, on a, on a lyrical sense as well as the music. And the other thing I wanted to thank him for was he gave us a, he gave me and Dave both copies of the uh, Hello the Band CD, which is one of the few from the Hello CD of the month that I did not have, and he signed it for us. He also gave me a copy of the split single vinyl that we talked about in in part one. So wow! Thanks for being our first interview and uh, giving us so much to work with. It was really interesting. Yeah, there's thanks for everything, and um, hopefully we will interview some more people. It would be cool, maybe yes. maybe like this, like every ten episodes or something, we find someone to interview. I have a I have a several ideas, uh, though I they make me very nervous when I think about <laughs> them. Uh, so well, I'll be here to calm you down and yeah, push you into that. I mean, out of that <laughs> way of that truck. Yeah. Uh, so next episode for sure is miscellaneous yes. tea, or at least maybe side one or the first few songs. Right. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I have a lot to say about these songs. I hope Dave does too. I have a lot to hear. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Thank you guys. Thank bye you, bye. Thank you, friends. Bye.